were little and you were afraid of the boogeyman? You know, maybe that shadowy figure in your closet or perhaps under your bed or around the corner of the curtains. Maybe that shadowy figure in the closet turned out to be just a pile of clothes on a chair that scared you. Or what was underneath your bed? You didn't dare check underneath your bed because the boogeyman was there. But the truth was, there was no boogeyman. He wasn't in your closet. He wasn't under your bed. And he wasn't behind the curtains. He was fear. Fear rules so many people's lives. The new modern day boogeyman, if you will. What's your boogeyman? What are you afraid of? I'm gonna share some things that I've been afraid of. Today, we're talking the new boogeyman. Let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and today I want to talk about boogeymen or the boogeyman. When I was little, and I, I think they still do this, but when I was little, the boogeyman was like that thing that you were afraid of. When you're a little kid, it was like the monster underneath your bed or the monster in your closet or that person you were afraid of possibly being outside your, your, your bedroom door. It was basically the all encompassing thing that you were afraid of. It could be whatever. It could take all shapes and sizes and forms, show up day or night under your bed, in your closet, like I mentioned, wherever. Deep down and in truth, the boogeyman was all about fear. And I want to talk about modern day boogeymen and the things that all of us are afraid of. I had a conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and it's still disturbing me. Like my jaw almost hit the ground when we had this conversation because of what she said. And for me, I have most of my friends, I would say, are left-leaning. And there were in the past a couple that were sort of more right-leaning, and I'm talking politically, and I didn't know it <laughs> because I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years, and the assumption is everyone is liberal. So unless you talk about it, it never came up. And back in the 90s and 2000s, early 2000s to 2010, um, we just, there wasn't as much to talk about politically. I mean, maybe there was, but it wasn't as divisive and divided as it is now. Like with George W. Bush, it was divided, but not the way it is with this Trump situation and the hatred and the vitriol and the, the cult following that Trump has. It wasn't like that. And so we didn't really talk about politics that much, even though I was politically minded and cared about politics and always voted, it didn't come up. So any of my friends that I had, they, I didn't know what they were politically. I just assumed, oh, we like each other. You like me, maybe you're white. Obviously I'm black. So I don't know, you're probably liberal leaning. Didn't know for sure, <coughs> excuse me. And so now years later, when I've kept some of these friends, it's kind of come out that they're more conservative than I was aware of. And one of the friendships doesn't exist anymore because of that, because she was a Trump supporter. And I tried to hang on to that friendship, but we couldn't. I mean, she was anti-mask, anti-vax, anti, just anything that made sense as far as I'm concerned. And um, pardon the chimes, that's the security system that you may have just heard in the background. And so that friendship fell by the wayside. It had its weaknesses, but it fell by the wayside in the end 
because of differing political beliefs. And side note, a lot of times people are like, well, we don't have to agree politically, but we can still be friends and still get along and not hate it. Okay, that's true, except for if there's like things that people care about that has to do with hatred or harm. And I just couldn't with her and she couldn't with me. And it just, it wasn't like we had a big fight. It just fell apart because we couldn't agree. And so I want to talk about the boogeyman today because what I'm realizing after I had this conversation with my one friend who is more conservative than I ever realized when I first met her, um, is that her boogeyman is very different than my boogeyman, like extremely different. And I want to share the conversation I had and I, I always keep people's you know, true selves, anonymous. I don't give out any details. Most of the people that I talk about don't listen to my show. Most of my friends that I talk about don't listen to my show. So I'm all good. A lot of them will like check it out, but then they're like, I don't really listen to podcasts and that's okay. But um, more specifically, the one that I'm about to talk about, she doesn't listen at all. I think in part because we differ politically and she doesn't want to hear anything other than um, her political opinion, which, you know, to each their own. So anyway, <clears throat> I had this conversation with her and after I got over the shock and, you know, went up about the rest of my day, I started to think about what I'm afraid of or what concerns me in life, just general senses, not like, okay, yeah, I'm afraid of snakes, but not like that. Some people are afraid of spiders or whatever, but like the bigger themes in your life that really give you pause. Like some people are afraid of aging. Some people are afraid of losing their family members or their parents. I mean, family members are parents, but specifically their parents versus a child versus whatever, or being diagnosed with a disease. Obviously all of that stuff is horrible, but maybe you don't think about it as much as the next person who that is their boogeyman. Some people are afraid of racism. Some people are afraid, whatever the thing is or things, we have several, most people. And I never really thought too much about this thing that is frightening my friend. And that's what got me thinking because I'm like, we're around the same age, she's a bit younger, and we both were living in Los Angeles, pursuing the whole acting profession. We both were waiting tables. We both ended up getting married. We both ended up moving away. We both have kids. I have stepkids and one child of my own. And family is very important to us, and all of these things we have in common, except that her boogeyman, to me, makes absolutely no sense. And I've had to fight to hang on to this friendship. I've, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, I have mentioned her before and that she did believe that, you know, Trump won. She's a Republican, you know, she votes Republican period. That's it. Doesn't matter what they stand for. Just no if, ands or buts, no if, ands or buts Republican. And I, didn't know that that was who she was. And then it slowly started to come out. And I was like, okay. And then when Trump lost, she was like, oh, you know, he actually won and it's all going to come out how the election was stolen. You'll see. And I was like, okay. And we just, we've agreed to disagree and not talk about politics. So we don't talk about politics at all. Every now and then she'll throw in the odd thing, but I just zip it, keep my mouth shut because I can't with some of the things she believes. Other than that, she's a wonderful friend, very supportive, very loving, wonderful mom, um, outgoing, fun, has been there for me in good times and in bad and everything in between. <clears throat> Excuse me, so I love her. It's just politically, we are opposite. And, and I'm sure there's some overlap, but in general, the, uh, hell would have to freeze over before I would ever vote for Donald Trump. And hell would probably have to freeze over before she would ever vote for a Democrat, no matter who they were. 
I would vote for a Republican if I agreed with some of their policies. She wouldn't even consider it. Okay, so what is this conversation that we had? And what do I mean by boogeyman? And what is mine and what is yours? We've got to dive deep into all of that today. So first, I'm going to take a break. And then when we come back, I'm going to share this conversation with you. And I'm curious to see if you think that that's something you should be worried about. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. And she is frightened. So we'll talk all about it, plus what a couple of my boogeymen are. And um, see if you share any boogie people with me. Boogeyman, boogeymen, boogie people, you know got to make sure we anyway. All right. I'll be right back after this break. Stay with me. Hey guys, if you like the show, please just do me a favor and click five stars on Apple, leave a review. That written review really helps people find the show. Apple decides that the show has value just because you guys write reviews. So it really means a lot. I would greatly appreciate it. And if you want to stay in touch with the show as well, follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins, on Twitter at Jody's Box. You can find all of these links in the show notes, as well as I love hearing from you guys. Feel free to drop me an email, bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com. But please just rate and review the show. It really, really helps. Thank you. So first of all, Mother's Day is coming up here pretty quickly. What is the actual date of Mother's Day? Let me look that up because I don't know. I just know it's on a Sunday. So Sunday, May 14th. What are you getting your mom or mom's Mother's Day or any motherly figure, mother-in-law, whoever, what are you going to get them? Flowers are lovely, trinkets are nice, but how about you get them something wonderfully cozy? I have a coupon code for you, Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has invited me to partner with them once again. I worked with them before and they were awesome. It's an incredible company. They produce products that are, as in their name, cozy. They have bedding, they have bath, they have loungewear, all kinds of things. They invited me to pick out something from their website and review it. They don't pressure you. They just say, what do you think? And share it with the people. They sent me their sheets. These sheets are made from bamboo as their products are. I didn't even know you could make anything from bamboo. I'm like, wood, but you can. And they're super luxurious and soft and cozy. Cozy Earth, the company, has been on Oprah's favorite things list four years in a row. So this is a company that's out there, right? They've been out there. They are known. They are reputable. And their stuff is so amazing. I got their loungewear. It's been almost a year, year and a half. I'm not even sure. I still use it. It's so cozy, like it says in their name. So if you're looking for some Mother's Day gift ideas, or maybe, you know, there's a lot of summer birthdays, spring and summer birthdays, lots of gift opportunities on CozyEarth.com. So... I want to give you a 40% off coupon. That's right. 40% off of everything and anything on their website. All you have to do is click on the link in my show notes and use my special code, which is Jody Rollins 40, no space, Jody Rollins 40 and use my special code. It's all in today's show notes and shop to your heart's desire or your heart's galore. I don't know what the saying is, but see all of the cool things that they have there. It's just a really neat company. Everything's ethically done, sustainably done, if that's important to you. But at the very least, if you're like me, you just like cool, unique, well-made quality gifts for your friends and loved ones. Cozy Earth is the place to go. Plus 40% off. I always think of it like this. 40% is almost 50%. So it's close to half. That's a lot of savings. So 
click on the link in the show notes, use my code and save that 40% off of everything. Cozy Earth. It's a great way to sleep cozy. Check it out. Also, if you want to see my review of the sheets, I posted it on my YouTube channel. So it's about a minute and a half long, or it was also on my Instagram, which is at Jody Rollins. But if you have any questions for me, feel free to write me, DM me, smoke signals, whatever. I highly recommend Cozy Earth, and I don't promote anything. I don't believe it. Cozy Earth. Sleep cozy. Welcome back. Here's the thing. When I had this conversation with my friend, it was, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, just what people are afraid of. It was the conversation we had was just your regular average chit chat. We have these chit chats all the time. We don't live in the same state. We have busy lives, kids, all of that stuff. And somehow we make time to still have this really strong friendship and call each other regularly, which I value so much. It is very easy when your friends move away to go, oh, it's hard to keep in touch. And I don't like to text all the time. I don't want to call. To me, those are excuses. If you really care about nurturing a friendship so it continues to blossom and grow, you find the way to call, to text, to email, to whatever. And so at its foundation, this friendship is really special to me. So I at least want to say that. And all of us have flaws and all of us have weaknesses. And I don't want it to be seen as if I think that she's this terrible person, but I think it's a good way to really look at another human being that shares a completely different perspective than you. And yet we could still be friends. So she shares a different perspective than I do, and we are still pretty close. So here's the conversation. So blah, blah, blah. We're chit chatting about small talk and whatever. I don't even remember. And then we start talking about things that we want for our kids and their future. And I was talking about the fact that, as I've said to you guys, I think in the past few shows and on my YouTube channel, you have probably seen it if you've watched any of my episodes, that we're moving to New Hampshire in 2024, probably the end of, uh, well, yeah, probably the end of summer. And so i'm looking at schools out there and what what kinds of activities and dance and thinking about what it's going to be like for my daughter who is black to be around so many white people and i grew up like that and i want to make sure that she feels safe and secure within herself and is prepared to deal with racism that will probably come her way and to make sure that she's involved with organizations and dance classes and whatever that have other black faces in these classes. That is really important to me so that she isn't always the only black kid like I was. My brother and I were almost always the only or one of the only black kids in everything we did growing up in Colorado and in the tiny town in upstate New York that we grew up in first. So so that's important to me. And we start talking about that. And then uh, we start talking about all these school shootings which is to me the number one like political social issue. We can talk about taxes, we can talk about financial stuff, we can talk about I don't even know what politically, but when it comes to social issues, to me, gun reform and the fact that we are not safe, that there are spree killers all the time in this country, and it's just like, oh, I, what are you going to do? People want their gun rights. It makes me incensed. So um, she happens to live in a state where it's a more gun, not gun friendly, but gun loving. And I don't want to give away too many details, but just let's just say it's a more gun loving state. There's gun friendly, like Colorado or even New Hampshire. And then there's gun loving, like some other states that we probably all know. So I mentioned something about, can you believe there was this other school shooting or whatever? And 
she didn't have that like visceral response where she had something to say about it. She was kind of like, yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that was shocking. And then she proceeds to say, but the thing that's more so scary to me is what's going on in the bathrooms. Like I'm worried about my child when they go to high school soon, what happens in the bathrooms? And I was like, huh? You know, like the whole dog tilting its head, like, what are you talking about? What is happening in the bathrooms? And I said that, and she was like, well, with all of the transgender stuff, like, I think at this point, I might not even want my kid to be in the bathrooms. Like, who knows what's going on in there? I mean, don't you think, aren't you afraid that someday your child will have to go into the bathroom in school? And I was just like, like my head was sort of blowing off my shoulders. I'm like, what exactly is she afraid of that's going to happen in the bathroom with transgender kids? And she was talking about kids, not transgender adults, but kids and proceeds to basically explain, because I quickly wanted to change the subject because I was really annoyed and I felt like she was trying to back me into this position to agree with her. But she was like, yeah, because they, you know, all the stuff that's going on and they, they, it was a lot of they, and they like want your kids to join them. And I just like my husband and I, and she said his name, but you know, my husband and I have been talking about this and he's concerned too. Aren't you? And I was like, uh, well, you know, to be honest, I don't understand all that being transgender is, but I'm not afraid of it and I don't have to understand it. So I'm more concerned about my kid going home and getting shot up in school. And we just sort of moved on. And she wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. She literally is more afraid that her child will go into the restroom and meet a transgender kid and what? There was no real answer. It was, that's why I called this show this, it was her boogeyman. There was no actual thing, no tangible worry. It was just this sort of pie in the sky idea that trans kids are dangerous and they're going to recruit your kids, which I'm like, how does that work? Like your kid will go into the restroom and you'll see a young child that was perhaps born a girl, but presents as a boy. And then that child is going to take your kid and say, look at my genitalia. You have that too. We should be the same. Like what? I don't even know. And she didn't either. <clears throat> I do know that she was a Tucker Carlson watcher. <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. He's fired. Tucker Carlson, for those of you who don't know, was fired from Fox News. He was the biggest mouthpiece. <laughs> He's the biggest piece. All right. Biggest mouthpiece for right wing media around the biggest some 4.6 million viewers watched his show every night on fox and he lied and he had propaganda and he made up stuff and it all came out because a different lawsuit was being investigated at fox news about how they lied about the election being stolen a little side note to fill you guys in if you hadn't been paying attention to this because a lot of times i want to tune out all of it but the voting machine company called Dominion had voting machines in the last election. And Fox News was like, oh, the election was stolen and it was fraudulent and it didn't, that wasn't true. And Trump actually won. And they basically blamed part of it on these voting machines by Dominion. And Dominion was like, oh, 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 oh no, no, that's not true. And we're going to sue you. And they did. And they got text messages and emails all from Fox News producers, directors, executives, on-air talent, and they all admitted to lying in their texts, in their emails, in any format you could find. They lied that they knew the election was not stolen, but they were laughing to themselves. They're like, whatever, it brings in good money and good ratings and the idiots that watch this channel will believe whatever we say. That's who Tucker Carlson is and was. He was the leader in that, said racist, racist stuff. The most racist stuff you could think of because he was so anti-woke. 
he was also anti-transgender and made them out to be seen as a boogeyman or woman, I guess. And that's the channel that my friend watched and still does. But now Tucker Carlson is fired and it's just a glorious thing. Unceremoniously, he was ousted from Fox and we're left with his damage. And my friend is one of those people, kind hearted, but misguided. She believes that, oh no, 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 my child should not be in the restroom with a trans child because they're the boogeyman. They are the boogeyman. She is literally more afraid of her child being influenced by a trans kid than that same child not coming home in the afternoon after school because they were shot, which we've all seen it. The statistics are crazy. It is more likely that your child will be shot in school than they're going to be influenced by a trans student and instantly change their mind to become transgender. But that's what she's afraid of. And my jaw hit the ground because I was like, this isn't someone I can reason with. I can't say to her, you know, her name. That isn't something that's real. That isn't something to be afraid of. The kids that suffer with any kind of difference, whatever it is, whether it's racism, whether it's being gay or queer or trans or bi or pan or whatever sexual difference, those kids are not recruiting people. They just are. They just are themselves. And that's what I believe anyway. If you want to tell me something different, that's your choice. But they're just living their lives and they believe something different about themselves than what they've been told their whole lives, essentially. And if you want to talk back and forth about trans this or that or drag shows or whatever, okay. But to me, it's not something to fear. You may not like it. You may not understand it. You may not even agree with it. But fear that your child is going to go into a restroom and be groomed into becoming a trans person? Or what? If it's a guy, someone born a guy, but they feel like they're a female and they're in the restroom, they're not in there like trying to look under the stall and see your daughter's private parts. They're just going number one. And that's it. It's not like restrooms are open anyway. You go into the stall, you do your business and you leave. Whether you're a girl or a guy or anything in between, if you're caught looking underneath the stall, there's going to be a problem. So it just really surprised me that that was her boogeyman. Like my worst nightmare would be if my daughter, who's she's not even two yet, but if she was in school and she was in a school shooting and she, she died and you know she didn't come home that night. That's irrevocable. She's just gone. That's horrendous. God help any parent who's had to deal with that. And there are way too many of them out there now. And there will be more. But if those are my choices, my kid not coming home at night or them choosing a different gender than what we believed them to be, I would choose that. Is it ideal? No. Is it confusing and painful for the child who's going through it? I presume yes. But that was her boogeyman. And that's the funny thing about fear is it doesn't necessarily have any foundation in truth. Like I can tell you, as I mentioned, I am very afraid of snakes, but it's a, it's a, like a, like a sense thing. Like I can look at a snake and go, okay, it's a snake. If I'm at the zoo or at somebody's house, I don't know anybody, but let's just say who had a snake in a cage or glass case, I can look at it and go, it's just an animal, mother nature. It's smooth. It's eats rats or whatever. It's an animal. And that's that. Like I mentally, I know that. 
And I know as somebody who goes hiking a lot and loves the outdoors and nature, I've seen the odd snake, including a rattlesnake. I know that they are more afraid of me than I am of them. And I know that even if a rattlesnake bit me, God forbid, if I can get to safety fast enough, I'll be just fine. It's uncomfortable, it's scary, but I'll be fine. And most likely I will not be bitten. I don't even care about that. It's just an irrational fear of snakes. I don't, I used to have dreams about them. I don't like to see them on TV, even though I can watch like a Naked and Afraid or some survival show like I watch and I go, okay, that's a snake. But there's something about it that scares me. It's irrational. And it comes from the fact that when I was a little kid, there were snakes, just plain basic uh, garter snakes, gardener, I think it was gardener snakes. I used to think they were garter when I was little. I don't even know which it is, garter or gardener snakes. Okay, now I'm gonna have to look it up because I hate when I say the wrong thing on my show. Gardener snakes, let's see which comes up. Don't fault me, fault me for not knowing. Okay, good, garter snakes. And even, okay, when I looked it up, garter snakes, a picture of a snake came up and it's just like, oh, it like sends that like little butterfly through my like chest because I don't like them. So when I was little, they were around our house, like um, by this front bush and I would play outside and they would frighten me because I would be minding my own business and they'd be like, and it would scare me. And we had a pool in our backyard and they would come along the edge of the pool and pop their head up and scare me. So it's really the fear of being afraid. That's all my snake fear is. And I logically understand that. But my body remembers that fear. And that's how it holds on to this whole idea of being afraid of snakes. So I get it. I know that it's irrational. Like it's logical in the sense that yes, if there's a a rattlesnake or some kind of venomous snake, I don't go over there and start tap dancing in front of it. That's stupid. You got to be rational. And that is a smart and healthy fear. But in general, being afraid to see a snake on television or uncomfortable or seeing a photo is just like, (gasps) you know, unnecessary. The same for my friend who has this boogeyman about trans kids. If you really investigate your fears, whatever they are, you start to realize, okay, if you can figure out where they came from, what they're doing to you, what the real truth is, you can see that a lot of our fears in life are just that, irrational. What the truth is with my friend is she's afraid of something she can't control and she doesn't understand. And it doesn't occur to her to really investigate, to try to understand, because she'll wrap it in religion. Like, oh, it's not right. God wanted us to be man and woman and that's it. And there's no, no, no opportunity for her. Well, there's the opportunity, but there's no initiative that says, you know what? I, I'm a little afraid about trans kids and what that would mean to my kids. Why don't I try to look into this? Why don't I volunteer at the LGBTQ center or forget volunteering, just go and say, look, I'm fearful. Educate me, help me understand, teach me. And then I can make an informed decision, but it's easier to just watch Tucker Carlson who tells you to be afraid of the boogeyman in the closet, who in this case is a trans kid in the restroom. I think it's important that when it comes to fears that we face them, that we look at them and we go, why is this? What is that about? Like if people who were truly racist really ask themselves, What is it they just despise or don't like or are afraid of? Because they wouldn't want to even admit that they're afraid, but let's just say despise, right? About black people, about Latino people, about whatever, gay people, whatever the thing is, gay is not a race, but, you know, whatever the thing is, Asians, Jews, Jews is a race and religion. All of these Nazis that are out and about and proud these days, they were just out in Ohio a couple weekends ago protesting trans stuff and drag stuff. If people really took a moment and looked at their fear, they would see it's just about 
like something that they feel like they can't control. A lot of these people, the, the, the white male grievance thing that's happening right now. And again, for those of you who are newer listeners, I'm married to a white guy and I have lots of white friends and I have white stepkids. So no one can say that I have any hatred towards white people. But let me just say, there is a white male grievance thing that Fox is capitalizing on. And it even came out in the Dominion lawsuit, which by the way, Fox News, they settled with Dominion because they were just about to go to court and they were about to lose because the evidence was really damning. They settled for $787 million, almost a billion dollars. That means you knew you lied and you got caught, Fox News. So anyway, I digress. I think when you look at your different fears, when you look at race, when you look at whatever that thing is, when you have these white male grievance guys, the thing that Fox always had that they continue to talk about is that the changing demographics of this country means you white men are going to lose. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose power. You're going to lose status. And that fear keeps people watching Fox News because it makes you feel like you're part of something. Time and time again, they ask these Fox News viewers, specifically white men, what is it you get from this? It's the camaraderie. What is it the people who voted for Trump and were there on January 6th? They all feel like this country is going the wrong way. You know, make America great again when it was white dominant. I forget what the year is, but pretty soon, within the next, what, 40 years, I think it is, maybe even 30, it's not going to be a white race majority. I believe it's going to be Latino race majority. So that scares people. And that's their boogeyman. Because nobody wants to be a minority that isn't one. Because you see how shitty it is for black people, for gay people, for Latino people. And as much as you say that, you're like, well, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and how bad can it really be? And racism isn't as bad as it used to be. And why are you complaining when it's you that has to be the minority? It's fucking scary. And that's what this white male grievance thing is on Fox News or the people who watch Fox News. That's their boogeyman. And so you just ball it all up and wrap it in a Black Lives Matter, in a drag queen's reading to children, um, like LGBTQ trans ribbon, and you serve it up to the white male grievance audience. And you say, here you go. There's your boogeyman. If you took time to investigate and really listen to people, like Black Lives Matter isn't about F the white guy. It's not saying that white lives don't matter. It's saying that black lives don't matter as much as they should. And it's funny to me, if I said I am pro hoping that cancer is cured, I wear a cancer ribbon, I'm part of a cancer organization, I donate to cancer organizations, I hate that disease, I want it to be cured tomorrow. If I said that, nobody would ever say to me, but what about Parkinson's? How dare you only speak about cancer when there's Parkinson's? But ma'am or sir, cancer kills more people than Parkinson's does. Well, still, what a, that conversation would not happen. But somehow, if you say Black Lives Matter, when we have more issues, more Black men being killed by cops, all sorts of things, then there's this insult that says, oh, well, you're saying that white lives don't matter. And no one ever said that. It's the boogeyman. People are afraid of various things in life. So what's your boogeyman? And are you willing to face it? Are you willing to look it smack dab in the face? Are you, maybe you're a guy and you're a little sexist. The number one listening group of my audience is men, which is surprising to me because when I started this show, I was like, I'm making a show for women. And then that didn't happen. 
which is awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. Thank you for staying. You've stayed the entire time. It's always been more men than women, always. But what is your boogeyman? Maybe you're a little bit sexist, you know, and it's hard to face. I know that I have prejudices, or at least one, things that I'm afraid of, but I question myself. I'm like, where does that come from? If we don't question ourselves, if we don't look at ourselves in the mirror, if we don't look at the things that scare us, how do we grow? How do we move forward? How do we become better people? Yes, there are all kinds of things that can help us grow and move forward and be better people. But one of the things is to face our fears. It's really easy to sit in your home or in your car or wherever and just say that everything that you think or feel is just fine. And that doesn't matter if you're an extremist on the right or an extremist on the left or even somewhere in between. If we don't take a look at what we fear and try to understand like, hmm, maybe there's a different way I could approach this or look at this. I think it's a dangerous place. My friend has every opportunity to really educate herself about what it means to be a trans kid. If she took five minutes and looked online and saw the rate of suicide for trans and gay and bi and queer and any LGBTQ plus IA, whatever the title, if she saw the high rate of abuse and suicide and drug addiction and homelessness, maybe she would have a little more compassion. Even if you don't understand it or don't agree with it, you could find some compassion. And in that compassion, you find a place without fear. Because if you understand people more or can at least empathize with them, there's no room for fear. There just isn't. A lot of times when they, when they talk to white men who, you know, perhaps are anonymous or are under the guise of safety in some way, what they generally fear is that their jobs are going to be taken from them, that they won't make enough money because minorities are taking over, that they will be seen as less than that they are the wrong ones, that they are the ones that are messing up society, that everything is against white people. And that isn't true. That's what Fox News tells them is true. But if you watch the liberal leaning channels, formerly CNN, which is swinging more to the right, but MSNBC, they don't sit there and talk about how the white man is bad. They just say, some white people are doing this some black people are doing that, some Latino, whatever. If you sit me down as a black female in this world, in this country, to me, woke means being aware of the disparities between races. That's all it means. And somehow the right has taken that word and made it like some kind of here we go again, boogeyman. Oh, you're woke. And they stole the word, something that's beautiful. It's about realization and self-understanding about where you are in the society as a minority, as a black person. And they turned it into this anti-white person thing. They did that. We as black people didn't do that. That's another reason why Fox News is a dangerous place. There are so many things that people are cautious about or afraid of because people are other. You know, you want to move into 
just the right neighborhood, send your kids to just the right schools. Well, what exactly is the right school? What if there's too many of something at that school or not enough of something? Boogeyman, boogeymen, boogie people can be so many different things. And I'm trying to think of a boogeyman that's not about race, that's not about sex or gender. It's kind of hard. I would say maybe sexism is something because even back to uh, Tucker Carlson, one of the reasons he was fired, and it's all sort of coming out slowly, there were many reasons. But one of the reasons was that he had all of these issues with one of his female producers, like sexist stuff. Like there's apparently there's pictures or were pictures of Nancy Pelosi in a bikini all over the office, which I assume were doctored unless she spends time in a bikini that I'm unaware of but former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Um, and just all these things. I mean, just it was a toxic work environment and he's being sued by his producer, I believe, as well. So sexism is another thing. A lot of the isms are just wonderful boogeymen. But at their base, they are fear. People are afraid that things are going to be taken from them. You know, another boogeyman, like a general boogeyman, is envy and jealousy, or the two of those are our envy and jealousy. I was looking at this post on social media the other day, and it said, um, some actress, I don't remember who, was saying that the Oscars are not like they used to be. I think it was Goldie Hawn. Yes, Goldie Hawn, former like comedian, actress Kate Hudson is her mom. And dancer, she's a dancer, former dancer. She's an older woman for, since my audience skews younger, but she was a huge star in the 70s, 80s, and probably even to the 90s. And um, she said the Oscars aren't what they used to be. They used to be a lot more glamorous. And there was an interview and I didn't even read it. I just noticed the comment was someone that I, I don't, I know her, we're not friends. She's just sort of in the community, she's friendly. We say hello. And she was like, well, I don't, what is what are all these bloated, overpaid, bloated ego, overpaid actors even need awards for? What about the rest of us working folk? We have to do our jobs and we don't get awards for doing our jobs and millions of dollars. And so I we, we could live without actors and actresses, but we can't live about live without all of the things that make the world work. And somebody commented, bitter much? And I thought, well, her boogeyman is obviously some kind of like envy and jealousy for all the money that celebrities make and all this power and that they get to be thanked and Oscars and awards and stuff. And I thought, wow, how quickly we could say something like, well, we can live without you guys, but we can't live in a world without the people who make the world work. And that's true. But I don't want to live in that world because that means it's a world without art. There's no art. Without performers, you don't get paintings, you don't get cool structures, you get sort of square buildings that take no thought, right? You don't get music, beautiful sounds and instruments. You don't get singing and those who write the songs. You don't get writers, so say goodbye to books, say goodbye to screenplays and movies. No actors, there's no one to be in these shows, no performers, no singers, no dancers, nothing. So yeah, we could live in a world without all of that stuff. But would you want to? Think about how unattractive and not beautiful life would be without all of the art forms. But in this person's mind, who wrote this whole thing about the bloated egos and how they make all this money, her boogeyman is Hollywood. If she sat down with even me, I'm no celebrity. <laughs> I never made millions of dollars, I wish, but I have worked as a professional actor. There was a time in my life where that was all I did. I wasn't waiting tables. I wasn't doing any side gigs. I was working as a paid actress and I loved it. 
and it was a wonderful experience. And I know people who are successful. I used to work with people who are famous stars now, less and less some of them, because it's been a while, and that made money. And deep down, they're just regular people. Because if you want to be an actor or an actress, you go out there and you go do it. If you're lucky enough, you get quote unquote discovered and you, it is really like winning the lottery and you quote unquote make it out there. Are you going to be like, no, no, don't pay me multi-millions of dollars. I don't deserve this. No, you're going to be like, this is awesome. This is what they're offering me. Great. I'll take it. But her boogeyman was that of a person who thought that Hollywood was unnecessary. And it all comes back to what she feels like things, the, the things that she fears are what she feels people are taking from her. This person that I, I know who wrote this post because she struggles financially. I happen to know this for a fact. I know that she has to borrow money Look, we've all been through all kinds of things financially. If you haven't been today, maybe you will be tomorrow. Maybe you're lucky and you haven't been. But in her case, that, that's her boogeyman. Is looking at other people who she doesn't know and assuming that they are completely useless and unnecessary just because they get paid and get awards. If you don't like the Oscars, don't watch. I watched them for decades. I actually catered at parties for Oscars when I lived in LA, which was really cool because you got to see a ton of celebrities and I loved it for that and the Grammys as well. But I don't watch anymore because I'm like, eh, been there, done that. Not my thing. I like to see the clothes and maybe the odd, really moving, touching speech, but I'm good but it doesn't make me upset that somebody else is getting an award and accolades. That's her boogeyman. So what's yours? What is this? What's the stuff or the thing that you are afraid of that you don't even want to face? Or maybe if you're really lucky, maybe you do face it. Fear is a dangerous, dangerous thing. It really is. I know for me, when I was growing up in Colorado, I really was afraid of the other black kids that regularly told me that I wasn't black enough. I mean, that was something that actually happened, but it, it, basically became such an ongoing thing that I began to suspect that maybe that was going to be something that was happening all the time, all the time. That became my boogeyman. I would meet other black people and I would think, okay, are they going to have this thing against me? And over time I came to realize, okay, that's my fear based on my experience. Now I don't care about that. I don't care if anybody thinks I sound too much like a white person. I don't care if anybody's upset that I married a white guy. I don't care if I confuse them because I have a black daughter. She's adopted. I could have easily adopted a white baby. I wanted a black child, black like me. People judge me all the time for not being black enough or being too white, or they decide things about me. I remember one time somebody said to me, and this is years ago, they said, you know, I just, you know, slowly as I've gotten to know you, I just assume that life has been easy for you, Jody. It was a white person. And I don't know, I just assume that you were like the cheerleader in high school and really popular and things were easy. I'm like, you don't even know. I was never a cheerleader. Okay, I was a pom-pom in college. And that was like a joke because there was like five of us and we were terrible and that was it. But in high school, I wasn't popular, not at all. 
People make a lot of presumptions about me. When I was on a freaking reality show, the stuff I read about my stuff, uh, the stuff I read about myself on Twitter right after I got unceremoniously booted off that show, I was like, who are they talking about? That isn't me. People decide things about you, and then especially when you're on TV, and then they write them, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Who, what? That doesn't even make any sense. That isn't me. So now, my boogeyman is not that. I used to be so afraid and so worried about that kind of stuff. I'm talking high school, even in college a little bit. Worried about the judgment of others when it came to race. My race, me. That was my boogeyman. But I faced it. And now I'm at the place in my life where it's like, if anybody say, you know, one of you guys listening right now, you're a troll instead of an actual happy, pleasured listener. And you write me an email and they're like, you're a whitey white, white. You want to be a white, you're an Oreo, blah, blah, blah person, which is the stuff I used to hear, right? It, I feel nothing because I took a bite of that fear. I looked that boogeyman in the face and I was like, you don't exist. That is a stereotype to say that I sound a certain way. I sound like my parents. I sound like myself. I, I, I didn't try to sound like anything. I was raised by parents who basically sounded like this. Both of my parents had New York accents. But that's it. I can't. I, I, if you wanted me to sound some, like something different, that would be the phony Jody. This is my real self. And so that boogeyman does not control me. I left it behind. Bye-bye, boogeyman. But so many of us hang on to those boogie people. <laughs> I keep making plural of boogeyman, boogie people. But because we don't want to face it. I'm not perfect. I fear a lot of kinds of all kinds of things that I probably shouldn't. And I have closed-minded ideas about some things and open-minded ideas about other things. I'm, I'd say I'm overall open-minded, but I'm definitely opinionated. Can't do a show like this and not be opinionated. It would be really boring. But anytime I'm aware of fears that could hurt me or other people because I have them and the actions I might take, I look them in the face and I really dissect them and try to see where they came from and how they're affecting my life now and how they could affect my life in the future or someone else's life. So to round it all back up, if my friend who's afraid of trans kids in the restroom in some way affecting her child or children, if she just took just a few minutes to really ask herself, what is she afraid of? If she got to know a trans child, she would see what they go through. And with everything they're going through, they're not going, hey, how about I recruit somebody in the bathroom? It's not possible. At least that's not what I believe. But she doesn't do that. Because it's easier to keep that boogeyman all powerful and almighty and to be afraid of that because it's easier. It's easier to see something like that, that Tucker Carlson and your church told you you should be afraid of so that you don't focus on gun reform or you don't focus on the things that really affect people. That's something sort of simple to go, oh, it's wrong, it's not in the Bible. She's not interested in really facing her fear. Are any of us? Facing our fears is scary, but I can tell you when you come out on the other side, and I faced a lot of fears over my lifetime, when you come out on the other side, it is glorious. There's power and strength in overcoming fear. There really is. I used to be afraid to fly. And it wasn't like I was afraid that I would crash. I was afraid of um, turbulence. 
because I had flown a lot in my life. And this one time the plane just dropped. I don't know how many feet, but it was enough that I was like, ah, I was like the only person who screamed. I think I was in my late teens, maybe 20, somewhere in there. I was flying with my dad and the plane just dropped. And it was like, my stomach was up above me and I was down below. And over time I had other turbulence experiences and it just started to frighten me. And this one time I was flying from Boston to San Diego, which is about a six hour flight. And it was turbulence the entire six hours. So I'm like stooped over on the little eating tray, the food tray, like with my head in my hands. And I'm just like, oh, and the flight attendant was like, ma'am, are you okay? And I'm like, I hate turbulence. She's like, I'm so sorry. And there's nothing they can do. And I was like, this is ruining my life when it comes to travel. And if you guys listen to the show, you know me, you know, I love traveling. I could do that for a job, not flight attendant, but like go places. And the turbulence was just ruining every time I got on a plane. It was like, okay, no turbulence on this flight. Good. Or there's turbulence. I'd be worried there might be turbulence. And if there was turbulence, I was anxious. And then when, when it was going on, it was like, when is it going to end? And then if it ended, I was worried it was going to start again. And it was this whole thing. And then not that this show needs to be about this, but this, uh, uh, motivational speaker by the name of Mel, oh my God, Mel Robbins had this whole thing about staying in the moment. And I mean, that's a cliche, but she was just like, there's power in the moment. And if you realize that you're okay, and she has this whole thing. And because I did that, I'm not afraid of turbulence anymore at all. I looked my fear, my boogeyman in the face and said, F you flipped it off. And now I'm not afraid at all of turbulence. Turbulence happens. And I'm like, oh, it's just like if I was in a truck and I hit a pothole, that's basically the same kind of thing. It's just an inconvenience. I'm not afraid of dying on a plane crash. And if you're going to die in a plane crash, there's not much you can do about it, but I love to travel and I didn't want to stop traveling. And a lot of times people who are afraid to fly, they just don't. I have relatives that I never see because they're afraid to fly. There's a whole world out there and they see none of it. They could afford to fly, but don't because they're afraid. Boogeyman gets bigger if you don't face it. It stays irrational. There's nothing to be afraid of with turbulence. Turbulence doesn't mean the flight is going down. It's air pockets, air bubbles. Can it make your plane ride uncomfortable, severe turbulence? You betcha, it can. But your basic average run of the mill everyday turbulence is just an inconvenience. I was afraid of that and I conquered it. And it is a wonderful thing to get on a plane and just go, ah, I'm okay. So I invite you to take a look at your boogie people because we all have multiple fears, but what is the boogeyman in your life right now? That's affecting you in a negative way. I invite you to take a look at that thing dissect it, dig into it, dig deep, pull it out of the closet, pull it out from under the bed, behind the door, around the curtains, around the corner, wherever it is, get to it. And dig into that fear. I'm not the most religious person. I'm a more spiritual person. But one thing I know is that the word fear not, or the words, two words, fear not, are mentioned in the Bible, and I believe, so correct me if I'm wrong, they're mentioned in the Bible more than any other phrase, fear not. So even if you don't believe in God and you just think it's kind of some fables and some stuff that people have written over time historically, that's something. You can have a better life if you don't live in fear. It's too damn short. Go slay your boogeyman. If you need help, get help. Therapist, friend, partner, counselor, whatever. Just take on that boogeyman. Because once you do, they literally evaporate. 
and turned into dust. They don't exist. It's the fear of being afraid. It's not real. If people would do that when it came to race or transgender or any of these things, they would realize black people are just freaking people who are just trying to pay their bills. The average black person is not the thing that you're afraid of. I'm not taking anybody else's job. I'm not ruining anybody's life. I don't even hate you for being a white person, but that's what you believe. Slay that dragon, slay that boogeyman. Because once you get to the other side, it is, like I said, a glorious thing. There's such relief when you're not afraid of the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. All those flights that I took that I was really uncomfortable. Now I just kick back, listen to podcasts, listen to music, audiobooks, chit chat with my husband, kiss my baby. Like it's fun. What's your boogeyman? Go take him on or her or them boogie people. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing when you do. It's not easy, but it is simple. Just go do it. That's what I think anyway. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Oh,